hunting bucks you find on the winter range, locating a target buck, e-bikes, and more with Robbie Dinning. Let's get into the show. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just laying there. <laughs> Belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him, and we just ran at this elephant. Battle Mountain Media Updates. Check out the brand new website at battlemountainmedia.com. Battle Mountain Podcast launches Wednesday, July 1st and covers everything outdoors except archery. All archery topics will remain here on the Archery Maniacs Podcast. If you are interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel has weekly uploads with those topics. Now, let's get into the show. Well, perfect, Robbie. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it's kind of a whole different, different aspect to the whole podcast world doing one in person. I, yeah, I never really had the right gear, honestly. I, <laughs> I would show up here with just wireless mics and you couldn't hear who you're talking to, and it was a little rough last year. So, I see. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. This, this will be a step up. So, yeah, Expo 2020 is your launch for your new podcast audio. Yeah, well, good. yeah, new podcast audio, and I I haven't launched the uh, the Battle Mountain Media podcast yet. Mm-hmm. I've just been I've just been compiling some podcasts because I don't want to run out and then not gotcha. post them. So 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 Battle Mountain Media will have its own podcast, and Archer Maniacs will have its own podcast. Yep, right? that's the plan. All right, what's Battle Mountain going to cover? So I'm going to try and keep Archery Maniacs focused strictly on archery, um, and. And I, I love to rifle hunt. Mm-hmm. I, I do. There's no secret. There's no and shame in that, bro. No, I don't think there is. I just, <laughs> I think if somebody goes to a podcast called Archery Maniacs, they're probably sure. looking for archery. Right, right. That's why I went. Yep, yep. So my whole goal is to put things like packing horses and gotcha. and rifle hunting and long distance shooting, all that stuff on the Battle Mountain Media side. Mm-hmm. And then archery tuning, archery hunting sto- stories, working with your arrows, all that kind of stuff keep that Great on the idea, archery man. maniacs that's that's my plan <laughs> i think it's a good idea keep it from getting diluted because i'll tell you what sometimes when i jump on a podcast and they're not talking about what i think it's going to be it feels a little bit like clickbait and, and sometimes i realize you know, they're not doing it on purpose it's just you know trying to cover a wide variety of topics but yeah when i push on something that says archery i want to talk about archery yeah one, and i'm the exact same way and, and nothing frustrates me more than when i like you say i click on something that has a title in something that i'm interested mm-hmm. in learning whether it be glassing tactics or whatever else and they talk about glassing for five minutes and the rest of it is talking about something that I didn't want to hear about right you know it frustrates me so anyways yeah like you said we are here at Western Hunt Expo 2020 it was a year from last you know last year I I met you for the first time in person and Mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking time out this morning to hop on the podcast and chat about mule deer and rock slide and whatever else we decide to talk about man i appreciate you having me on it's always a blast to be on your podcast and 
So, uh, what, but this is the thing about the Zach Harold podcast. I call it the ambush podcast. I have no idea what he's going to ask me. If you ask the guy for an outline, it goes silent. You don't know. So you think, okay, I better be ready for anything. I don't know if we're going to be talking about pole dancing or what, but here I am, man. Well, I mean, true to, true to you and, and your interest, mule deer, I, in the exact same way, I, I love I love all hunting, you know. I definitely, but there's something about mule deer. There's something about knowing where to go, knowing what to look for, knowing why you looked in this basin as opposed to looking in this basin, mm-hmm. and all that comes together to make it so you're successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean successful in actually killing the animal. I mean literally just successful in finding an older age class deer. Mm-hmm. You know because if you're not looking in maybe a spot where older deer feel comfortable to live or you're not looking in a spot where there's even a food source that deer like, then mm-hmm. the chances of you seeing an older age class deer is probably slim to none. <laughs> yep, yep. And you bring up a good point. Um, finding them and killing them are two different things. And I used to hear that from old deer hunters. And I thought, no, if I can find them, I can kill them. Oh, man, I got my butt handed to me on that for 20 years. And I finally realized that some of these old bucks are are i don't want to say not killable but that's how they got old you know they know those places and you know the winds and you know and sometimes just gets down to just lack of access whatever um although i've seen some very big bucks in front range country but but yeah just kind of unlocking the puzzle and figuring out where they're at you got to take satisfaction in that because if it's just about throwing your tag on a giant muley and going insta famous unless you got a lot of money it's going to be boring because you're they're hard i think they're harder than ever myself right now and i don't mean to be debbie downer it's just it's just hard right now you know deer down a little bit in some of the states because the winter kill and you know they're you know colorado's not the shining beacon it was five years ago and so it's just getting harder you know agreed and and so far the winter this year in wyoming in the kind of the southeast corner there it's not doing not doing good. anyone any favors it's not and it's the same in eastern idaho and southeast idaho where i'm at i mean it's not it could go either way right now you know i spent i can't remember 10 12 days out in january uh looking looking at bucks um i'm not much of a shed hunter like what i said in my book but i'm always looking for good bucks before they drop because that's about the only way i can even find a shed is if i see it fall off his head or you know i know there was a deer there was a you know a, a good buck hanging here i don't just go randomly walk the winter range looking for shed horns there's too much competition in my country you know maybe right. other places there's not but you know if you want to go for a walk it's fine but you know if i'm out there looking i'm a busy guy I want to I want to know I'm looking no different than honey season. I want to know I have a chance at a good buck. So I spent all that time in January and and what we had going for us this year at least in say we'll just say the inner mountain west which you know draw a circle around the you know the corner of of western wyoming southeast idaho northeast utah that's what i kind of call the inner mountain west it started we, we had snowstorms back in october that you know kind of pushed the deer to the winter range man we had a really mild november december yep and i was thinking good this is what we need after you know two hard winters out of the last three but then just like in 07 08 man it started on new year's day and it hardly let up 
in January. And so each time I was out, you know, it went from, oh, these deer are going to do great this winter to, man, the next time I go, man, the snow is getting deep and geez, now I'm getting stuck and I can't, you know, I can't get up to where the deer are. Um, and um, that continued right up until about a week ago. And um, now I haven't been out since they started dropping. And by the way, I didn't find a, a buck worth really going after for shed horns um, in the areas where you can go right now. Okay, because right. Idaho has area closures too. I saw some bucks on some closures that were pretty good, but those will just be covered with people of once course. the once opener. the opener comes. And then I get, and I'll probably go. I mean, I know where there was a couple good ones. But anyways, the reason I'm not shed hunting right now is because I well, number one, I'm busy, but number two, I just didn't see anything in the areas that are going to be open. But I've got some friends that are still out there, mm-hmm. and they've been texting me. And um, the the these are guys I trust. Um, the last report was about four days ago. And Corey Dixon sent me a, a, a text. He says, "Man, these deer are now—they're in belly deep snow again. You know, yeah. the fawns are—the fawns are pushing belly deep snow, and man, that's when it starts to get hard on them. But looking at the weather right now, it's what February 12th, opening day of the expo. I'm looking outside. I see big shiny sunshine shining down out there. We've got about eight, ten days of it uh, looks like fairly dry weather. We got a little storm coming in this weekend. You know, so if if it could go either way, is my point in all telling you all that we got." Right started late on the winter january is really bad but right now it's kind of letting up and if you can get that going you know these deer even on a really kind of a high snow year if they can get some breaks right you know and then and then if, then it needs to end on time you know yep. mid-march early march it needs to start you know heading towards green up in the lower country and so that's what i'm hoping for because man we need it yeah absolutely so how how are you tying the bucks that you see on the winter range, mm-hmm. how are you tying that back to locating them or trying to relocate them come hunting season? Because I know, like, I've seen some some incredible deer um, on the winter range, driving down the interstate, whatever. You know, you see an incredible deer, and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, look at that thing. And you pull over, and you're looking at it, you're mm-hmm. like, where the hell did this thing come from? But where they are then is typically quite a lot different than where they are july september Mm -hmm. october you know that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so are you literally kind of seeing where they are in their winter range and realizing kind of roughly where they came from and that's kind of your starting point if it's a big enough deer for you to chase or what you know how do you how do you use what you see on the winter range to your advantage come hunting season well good question and i've thought about that stuff for 30 years and it it you, you you have to take it take in where where you live and what deer you're talking about because you know 30 years ago it was kind of weird i'd like read i read whitetail magazines mm-hmm. i read all that stuff because deer deer and you can learn something from everybody and i these whitetail hunters you know yeah i pick up this buck shed and you know we're gonna come back and hunt him this fall i used to just i almost thought they were bullcrapping people but then you know as i, I kind of learned about it um Okay, that's that works for white sales in a big chunk of the of the of the United States because they they don't travel far, and um, it, but it kind of took me a little while. Like I used to so I wanted to apply it to mule deer, and then mm-hmm. I kind of realized kind of what you said is man, right. there's not very many places in the West that mule deer do that. You know, there's most mule deer in in. in definitely in the intermountain west they're very migratory right and so i kind of had to sort that out in my brain you know because i always wanted to go find a shed the sheds and you know go follow him to the summer range and you know all that stuff you 
you think you can do so easily and it's not. <laughs> and it's been done a couple times. It really has. Scotty Thompson did it a couple years ago, but it was kind of on accident. He found a buck, big buck, 230 buck, and, um, you know, wintering down in some residential areas. You know, everybody, I think the, the buck might even had a name. I can't remember. And, you know, he's a big buck hunter, so he's always out there looking at him. And by goodness, he found that sucker on the summer range um, eight miles away and but but it was a fluke it's not like he was up there going okay that buck summer's here so i'm answering your question you just don't know on these migratory deer you really don't and so it took me about 30 years to kind of figure out okay if i'm going out and picking up sheds or i'm looking at bucks on the winter range i'm getting a, a picture of the quality of the herd buck to doe ratios are important so i'm always looking for that although a unit with a low buck to doe ratio can still have a giant i love to find bucks in units like that because usually everybody's so down in the mouth they're not even expecting to see a deer like that right um, um but the looking at all those deer gives me an idea of the health of the herd and so you know deer have been mule deer have been studied pretty hard now especially the last 30 years with all the radio telemetry stuff and you know you can you can get a rough idea of a you know 20 miles of winter range here where are these deer going you know you can talk to biologists and game wardens and sometimes even just a few old timers and figure out okay so those deer are going to be in that mountain range 12 miles away over there or you know all the stuff that's coming out of southwest wyoming right now is mind-blowing with the migrations i don't know if you followed that with the migration initiative and nuts that one deer kate went from the red desert the clear down by rock springs dude he ended up north of me and she ended up north of me in Island Park, Idaho. I thought, dude, she went over the Tetons. Have you seen the Tetons? I mean, where is she going? What is she doing? But, you know, that's just how God programmed them. And so, you know, 150-mile migration, you know, and, 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 and we, didn't, we didn't know that until that th- this year, that those deer actually have gone that far. Now, that's only one deer. Right. And, you know, maybe she's a fluke in fact she didn't even go that far this year i think she stopped on the wyoming side maybe she's getting old and looking at those tetons and thinking man i don't want to go over those but um but it still shows you how far they can move and so what do you do with that information well i think it's kind of how god programmed the whole planet to keep these species alive and if let's just say cwd just wipes out a bunch of deer in southwest wyoming and she's clear up in eastern idaho you know, giving birth to fawns up there, right. and you know she's isolated from that. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But but what but, but what I'm saying, is, you know, clear back to your question, is that you know these migrations sometimes these deer are getting so far spread out. I'm not really doing anything with that information other than going. There's good deer on this winter range. Let's figure out where they're wintering. Now other places, it's pretty easy to figure out, right? I mean, they can even you know, like those, those talking about those Wyoming deer. We know those deer up in the Hoback and the Gray's River, and you know, for the most part, if you see a, if you see a good buck down there. Um, you know, that's where they're going to be. And there have been a few guys that have found those bucks on the summer range. There's so many guys looking at, at, at bucks on the uh, southwest uh, Wyoming winter ranges right now and taking so many pictures. I've seen this change the last couple of years that guys are tracking bucks from summer range to winter range but it, and, and killing them. But it's not the same guy. 
what happens is a guy's got all these pictures of a big buck on the winter range. Maybe he picks up his sheds. That's happened before, too. Right. Lots of times. And then some guy, a couple months later, you know, insta-famous, hey, look at this buck I just got. Some dude sends him a PM. Hey, man, I've been photographing this deer. <laughs> you know, Five that's years. happening more and more. Travis Hobbs killed um, a Scar here, uh, what, three years ago? You know, big, big oh, oldest Travis. deer. Yeah, oh, Travis. Uh, <laughs> you might get him on the podcast. But um, that buck, um, oh, Travis had it all, you know, and, and I don't think – Travis may have seen him on the winter range, but a lot of people did. But he's got pictures of him, and um, he killed him, what, 70 miles away, something like that. But even talking to Travis, he didn't know where that buck was. He was just out scouting, and when he saw it, you know, Scar was like, I don't know, 12 by 14 or something. I mean, he was pretty recognizable. And, you know, I talked to Travis, and he's like, he pretty much knew the day he saw him. He goes, that's that buck. I know that's that buck. And then when he got him killed, it, you know, for sure. And he sent the tooth to us. We had it aged, and it was 10 years old. And so, Jeez. you know, I'm going off like I always do, dude. But but there's there, there, there's definitely information, information to be had by studying your deer on the winter range, even if they're migratory. But I'm not looking at a buck on the winter range going, okay, he's going to be on that peak right over there, at least in the country I hunt. It's, it's not that way. Now, you know, other parts of the West, you, whoa, other parts of the West, you can do that. But, but you know, mo- most of it, I haven't been able to connect the dots on gotcha. an individual basis. But it's, it's not that important to me. I don't need to. I just need to know, you know, where, where, where are bucks getting older? That's, that's, and I don't even have to be in the very best unit. I just need to know where the bucks are getting older and hunt there. Right, right. Man, they blowing this place up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, because that, that's, that's especially where I, so with this one deer I saw, I, I think it was a draw unit anyways. So it's, I typically, especially in Wyoming, I typically don't apply for draw units. I just hunt the general tag. Because um, as you know, it's tag you can count on every single year. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, I, I look at this deer and I see this deer and it's a big deer. And I look back over to where he came from and I'm thinking, okay, there's no, there's nothing around here except for that mountain range. So I would assume that he came from there, mm-hmm. but that mountain range is 90% black timber. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like crazy, crazy black timber. And and there's not really, it's you know, it's not like your typical mountain range where you can get up on a peak and you can actually kind of glass mm-hmm. into the right. black timber. So I, I just, I see that. I see the black timber and I just am kind of like at a loss right. as to what, how, like how you would even approach that. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what. They can't, they can't, if it's all black timber, and I'm, I'm imagining, to go take a picture of, you know, look up Kellogg, Idaho on your phone. Right. And, and look at, you know, northern Idaho. Some of those ranges, they literally are all black timber from the top to the bottom. That's why there's so few mule deer, because there's no food. You right. know, they've got it, like that picture behind us right there. We're in the, how do you say that? Baku booth? Yeah, the, the Baku the, booth. Yeah, yeah. That's nice of them to Wheeland. let us uh, use this. This is the e-bikes. But anyways, that picture right there, um, you, you see all that broken country, and you see how the main thing is sunlight can get to the ground there. So that's going to hold mule deer. I don't right. even know where that place is, but I guarantee I can find mule deer there. Right. And so if it's too, if, if all those mountains right there were black timber from the top to the bottom, he could be coming from there, but 
But, man, there's just no feed. There's just nothing there. That's why fires are so important and, you know, all that stuff. And so you might be surprised, Zach, he may not even go to that black-timbered place. You know, and when, when you hear me talking about hunting the timber, I'm talking about hunting the timber that's in, um, interspersed within open country. That's what I mean because, you know, they have to, you know, they're not they're – not, um, um, an animal that can live where there's no feed. They're just, you know, they've got to have their food sources. And so, and some units do have a lot more black timber than other. And even like I said, up around Kellogg, Idaho, every once in a while they'll kill a giant buck up there. But that's a function of, of, of escape cover, a low number of deer, and a buck being able to get um, age on them. But to go out there and do it on purpose, boy, it's it's pretty hard because of what you said. You can't use your optics. You know, northwest yeah. Montana is a lot that way, um, and I've hunted up there. But but if you can get in and kind of find where the feed sources are, because even in a black timber mountain, you know, again, if, there, if there's no feed sources, I don't even worry about it. I'll just go somewhere else. Right. But if, if you can find it's interspersed, old burns, whatever, south-facing slopes that do grow grow some feed. Uh-huh. But that's how northwest Montana is. It's weird. You'll drive up a drainage. <laughs> it's just like nothing but timber. But then the very top, there'll be a couple literally just a half a square mile along the top that grows deer feed and you go up there and sure enough there's buck tracks right you know but you may go five miles before you hit any more you know right right and and i would assume that you you could probably hunt that the same way that you're talking right now because it's i i think that there's so many roads and there's so many people that hunt it but on the flip side there is so much black timber yeah that unless you're that person that gets lucky, which that's not me, <laughs> you know, you walk through the black timber and one stands right. up. Luck's and you overrated, it. anyways. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'd rather be lucky. Uh, you know, good. I guess. Right. I, I'd rather be good than lucky. Yeah. Because luck comes and goes. <laughs> yeah. So I just, it just it. Uh, I I get I get so used to because I've done so much more hunting. You know, like say like sage country for instance where you can just glass and glass and glass and i get into that black timber and i'm kind of almost lost i'm like what what do i do now (laughs) right well let's talk about that dude and 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 it's because i mean that blog post i just put out this week about still hunting was a little bit about that because you can't just go randomly still hunt through the woods and kill a big deer i I mean it, it is it is a low proposition uh, low odds. I mean, you are, it just doesn't happen. So the few that I have killed still hunting, I'll take a place like that. Maybe it's timber, brush, whatever. And, and I make sure I narrow down and I hunt a small place on purpose. And how do I narrow it down? Tracks, rubs, previous deer sightings. Um, you got to have all that in your favor, and then you got to have the conditions to do it. Because you're right, you know, you can't just go walk through the timber and kill a big deer. I mean, it, you know, it, it, you may see it on Instagram, but there's thousands of guys on Instagram. Okay, so of course that's going to happen once in a while. But no, you got to do it on purpose. And so a place like that where you're seeing that big buck, I still, I still go look at that country, and just see like, is there, is there deer feed here? I mean, and and and, and if even if you can't find that buck, doe and fawn tracks. Okay, at least I know this can support a deer. Okay, I, I got to at least get that checked off my list here. And then, you know, the bucks are going to gravitate towards the, you know, the, the, the steeper, rougher. Not always the most furthest back because, you know, they're smart enough to survive where they got enough, you know, cover feel, and feed yeah, and everything. Yeah. You know, you, you can't ride a four-wheeler through the middle of it. He's not going to stay there. But then 
it, it's like a puzzle. You just start putting those pieces together, and you may be able to narrow down a five-mile range of mostly elk-looking country to, you know, a, a square mile or two of this has got deer in it, and it's got what big bucks need and those are the places that i go still hunt but then i mentioned conditions you can't just walk in the woods on any given day because it's saturday and that's your day off it may be crunchy snow it may be crunchy ground because it's getting down to zero at night and there's no snow right and so you go try to walk through there i mean it's like walking on frito-lays and but you know you wait till three o'clock in the afternoon Man, all of a sudden the ground's a little softened up. It's quiet, and you know, and it all gets into time of year. You got to think yep. about it. You know, full moon during the rut usually gets the bucks up early in the afternoon because they've they've been chasing does all night long. Daylight comes, you don't even see them. They're flipping exhausted, uh, and 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 you just don't even see them. You see all the other deer, but you don't see the bucks as they're laying down hiding, sleeping. Right, right. But about two o'clock, they're up walking around. You know, it's got eight hours of sleep, and I'm I'm ready for action. Where in October, it it can be totally different. They're more on their summer patterns so you gotta you gotta put all those all pieces together. together that's what i mean and and uh, but yeah if, if anybody's taken away from my my blog posts and podcasts that you just go hunt the timber no no you'll be man that you, you go crazy just right. doing that you gotta go where the deer are right well now when you say you're looking for feed is there one or two specific sources of food that you're looking for that you have found that the, the deer kind of gravitate towards or I don't even know the names of 90% of the plants that deer eat. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and, but you know what? I heard Walt Perthero say this once. I heard Walt Perthero say this once. He says, but neither do the deer. Okay? So, dude, this big picture right here of this, this, this Baku, um, look, look at all this stuff, man. This, right, is, this, right. is, this is prime. So see this guy right here? Okay, so what's he got behind him? He's got aspen. So yep. that's one of, the, one of the, the, the food sources I know that he, the deer eat. But I'm not even so much concerned that they eat on that tree that's right there behind him as I am. Is there enough broken country there that the sun can get down to the ground and stimulate the herbs and the forbs that deer do eat? Okay. Right. And so, yeah, there's 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 enough there. Now that's pretty dang thick. It can't get a lot thicker than that, or it's not going to hold a lot of deer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, like this one right here. You could jump up a ridge here. Look at that, man. That is just solid quakies, man, with just a few few little openings on the top. This is all deer feed right here, Zach. Yep. But where do you hunt? That's where I got. I, I'd have to get in there and look for the tracks and you know stuff like that to right. to figure out where where to narrow that down. Okay. So then you you jump up to this one, right? here these little openings behind this guy right here you see here these cattle are down here the does are going to be down here by the cows feeding in this field but these bucks are going to be on these edges that are right up in here all right and 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 that kind of stuff so now i've just taken that whole you know what is that two miles of mountain range there i've just taken that whole thing down if the wind blows from left to right and i'm figuring you know, i'm going to be right there at daylight and i'm going to pussyfoot along that and I'm going to see if I can catch any bucks on that edge. In fact, what I might do the day before that, I might back up here a mile down where this picture's taken from, and I might watch that edge and just, just see if they're out there. But in, in country like that, it's so hard to glass bucks that even if they're out there, you might not see them. But that's okay. Everybody will keep driving by this place. Right, okay? right. And so I'll pussyfoot along there. And that might take me two hours. I'm only good for about 
two hours of still hunting. Anyway, I start spacing off, you know, and getting tired and talking to myself, you know. Um, and, and maybe the next, maybe that next evening, maybe I'm looking at that stuff right there, you know. But see how that's all broken country right there? Uh -huh. So as I walk along there, I don't know what the names of those plants are, but I know that their, their food is, is grown by the sun. It's, they, you know, that's what they got to eat. And so, you know, um, uh, that's... That's what I mean when I'm saying I'm looking for their food sources, but I don't know what the food sources are. I right. just know the conditions it takes to grow them. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense because, I, I mean, we, we've done it. You know, you walk through where it's basically super dark timber, mm -hmm. and there's nothing on the ground. Pine right. needles. It's, it's a virtual <laughs> desert, isn't it? There's yeah. no life. Yeah. A few squirrels. Yep. You know, yep. stuff like that. Cause, and that's telling you there's no feed there. These ungulates, God made them to eat herbs and forbs and grasses and all that stuff. You know, that's the, and that's all stuff's all grown by the sun. Right. 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 And so, but, but, but if you can find timber interspersed in places like that, that is usually where the bucks are. And like this guy this morning, let's pull up my phone here, dude. I want to yeah. show you something on Instagram. Yeah. I realize your, your people can't, can't see what we're doing here. But, you know, if you just listen close, this guy sent me a photo on Instagram this morning. And um, this is the kind of stuff I'm getting all the time. And as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw the photo. For Battle Mountain Media updates and videos, go to BattleMountainMedia.com or Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel. I thought, okay, that guy was hunting in big buck country, and I don't even need to be surprised at the size of that deer. And and, and, and so so look at that, look at this sack. Okay, so see this deer right here. Let's see if we can blow it up. Okay, look what that buck's in. Yep. Okay, so just for your for your listeners, this is a probably a 190, maybe mid 190s, non-typical buck. He's not super wide, but he's got. Man, even without my glasses on, one, Big two, three, four, five, six, seven cheaters, something like that. Yep. Um, older, look at his face. Yep. I mean, he's an yep. older buck, Roman you know. Nose. Yeah, Roman nose. But look behind the guy. This is this is the stuff I always look at. Do you see? The sun can hit the ground there. Yep. See all that brush back there? Yep. Okay, that buck is not laying in the in the timber. I, I haven't asked this guy yet. I bet that guy shot that buck under 200 yards. Yeah. I almost yeah. bet he did because of where he's living. Right. So that buck is in the cover. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a just looking at the time of year. It's probably an October hunt when everybody's saying, oh, mule deer are nocturnal and all that stuff. No, they're just living in stuff like that. Yeah. So what we're looking for is, is stuff like this, you know, where, where, where deer can get in, the sun can get down to the ground, stimulate the, the feed that they're looking for. And um, then those big bucks, they will live in small places like right. that until, you know, something changes. They usually have like a little, a little um, they go on their rounds. He may, this buck may feed in that little Maybe this is at the bottom of a basin or a creek bottom for, right. you know, four or five days. And then he smells a cat or, you know, a couple hunters come through. So he's got his little escape route and he heads up over the ridge. He only moves 800 yards and he's in a whole new he's place. Good to go. But it looks like that right there. Right. Okay. And so see that timber behind that guy on the bike? It, yep. it, it, they might go in a place like that, but only if a place like that is interspersed with deer feed like this. Right. And so, so you know, I'm just trying to kind of paint a picture for everybody because sometimes when I've, and I've listened to some of my podcasts, I, I've, I've realized. Wow, I make it sound like I'm, you know, hunting in the freaking, you know, northern California forest, you know, just, you no, know, it's not like that or the deer wouldn't be there. That, right. That's my whole point, yeah. you know.
a lot of these kill picks that you get from guys, everybody's trying to look at the peak that's behind them and, you know, where's he at and everything. I'm always trying to look at the food sources that are around the buck because that's probably, he probably killed him, you know, right around where the buck's eating and everything. And, and again, I don't, I don't know what the plants are called, but you can kind of get an idea. You know, it's woody right. brows, you know, stuff like that. So that's what I'm looking for, Zach. I, right. I hope that answers your question. I know yeah. that's hard to visualize on a podcast. But. No, and I do the same thing. When I look at somebody's pictures, I, I honestly – I honestly don't want to know because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't care. Yep. You know, good for you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. If I ever ask someone like yourself or like Brian Barney or Ryan Lampers and I say, hey, and I've honestly never asked them, mm-hmm. but if I were to ask them, hey, where, where did you shoot that deer? The only reason I want to know that is so that I can look at the country and transpose there it somewhere There you go. Else. That's all you need to know. I, I, I don't You don't, don't want to hunt where those no. guys, you, man, no. if I come over the hill and Ryan Lampers was hunting there, I'd leave because I'm, I'm like, well, he's got these bucks covered. You yeah. know, I'm not doing any good here. <laughs> yeah, and not only does he got them covered, but if he finds one he's gonna, he wants to shoot, he's going to get it. It's like, it's, you know, so. That's but, right. But I just, it, the only, t- and like I said, I don't ask people that because it's such a sore subject. In the it, is. it is. It's pretty amateur. You and know, you I might know. ask somebody, you know, what state, what kind of country, right. you know, right. late, early. Ask them how they hunt. That's what David Long, when, he, when, when, when I used to know him and he was working on his book and everything, um, you know, I, I could just ask him, so how'd you kill the buck? Oh, man, he'd go on for 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, man, I learned way more there than, hey, dude, what creek? drainage did you get him right. in you know i mean that that buck's gone you yeah. know and, and, and the other thing too is just people are figuring that stuff out well if i can figure it out somebody else can yep you know i know a guy that just watches youtube videos to find hunting spots that's all he does and hey yeah. you know what? he enjoys it good for him right. good for him but i'm like oh man i just i just like to kind of get out in the woods like that muzzleloader buck i got this fall i went with a friend and just start putting the putting, putting the, the pieces, pieces of man there's a brushy canyon over here this is all wide open sagebrush man there's four wheelers all over out there if there's a big buck out there, they're going to kill him or he's going to leave. You know, let's let's go up here. And that that's, to me, the the enjoyment of it. Yeah, right. I mean, if you call me up and say, hey, there's a 40-incher back here, you know, come <laughs> on. Oh, I'm, I'm there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not above that. But I'm not looking for that stuff. You yeah. know, I used to. I kind of used right. to chase right. chase ghosts and stuff like that. But, but, oh, it's so much more fun to just put the pieces together and kind of figure it out. And, and, right. and, and, and when you do that, not always, but you often end up where no one else is. Yep. You know, now, there may be a guy over on the next ridge, but right. he's not hunting it, right? right? You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And that's that's like, it, it has honestly become one of my most favorite questions. It's not, I don't, the only reason I want to know where somebody hunted is so that I can ask them why they chose to mm-hmm. hunt there. There you go, yeah. There's you know, it's there. like, if I'm looking at it on a map with them or something, I don't want to go there because it's you found it. You did the work. Yep. And that's it. It's work. Mm-hmm. You did the work. You found Cool. But why that drainage? What, you know, what about that patch of trees made you focus more there as opposed to one drainage over, you know, it's all those questions that come up and because that's, that's how you learn. That's how you find your own spots. And when you're looking at the map, you know, cause it's like, like Ryan is a great example. He's like, yeah, I I do a lot of e-scouting. I'm like, I know you do, but why that basin? Why that drainage? Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's so... There's so much stuff to take in and so much stuff to look at that when all the pieces do start coming together, boy, it's a cool feeling when you did that work. Yeah, it is. It really is, man. It really is. And <laughs> and, 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 and then you, you end up getting to hunt places that aren't just the latest hot spot. You right. Know? Right. And and it's interesting because like, like we said when we first started this, you 
don't always find yourself the farthest back. You right. don't always find yourself yeah. in the hardest to draw units. Right. It is, right. A, I mean, you could, you could be in a general over the counter unit a mile from the highway and I've had that happen. I have dude. too. Yeah. I have to, it's so crazy. Yeah, it but is. Like you, like you said, they're there for a reason. Yeah, they're you there because they've got <laughs> feed, they've got cover, they've got security. Yep. You know, they've got they've got all that stuff. And they don't those, have other people coming in and bumping them out. Yeah, or if they do have other people there, that it's the, the, it's a really hard place to kill the buck. And so they're right. just, that buck is, has has gotten away enough times, he, he, he just knows what to do. You know, they don't have some mysterious power, but it's like, you know, if you get to five years old, you know, you kind of know where to go and, and, and stuff like that. Because I just wanted to point that out because I don't want people to think that you can only kill bucks where nobody hunts. Right. No. Oh, man, I don't hardly, I can't, I don't know anywhere that nobody hunts. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I try to, I gravitate towards those places where there's far less. I mean, you, you can't have a bunch of hunting pressure. I'm telling you, you can't. Yeah. But, you know, you just, like, just sometimes. And two, even, even kind of against that, just a little bit is I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, that it depends on the type of hunting pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've been yes. in places where. There'll be all kinds of people, but all they do is drive the roads. Yep. And if that's all they do. There's a bunch of country it, that's okay, not getting hunted you know? right. It, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Like, you sit up on that knob and you hear, right. Right. you kind of watch a deer kind of perk right. up. But then they hear it go by and they just go back to yep. eating. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. And that's, that's to me, that's just kind of one more part of the puzzle is kind of looking for places like that. So, right. anyways, hope that helps your, hope helps your people. Yeah, but. so. So before we hop off, uh, you know, I, I, has your, has the little short video clip, has that gone live now? Oh yeah, the short video. So, so, so what happened is last fall, um, Jordan Bud, um, running Water Media, she's also on the Rockslide staff. Yep. Um, uh, does a good job filming. She's hunts. awesome. Yeah, she I really enjoy is. Her a lot. And, and and plus, she's pretty dang hardcore. You can take her anywhere, and she'll, yeah. she'll she'll be right in your back pocket. Yep. So we planned on doing a backcountry hunt for mule deer. And trying to get some of this stuff in that we're talking about, mm-hmm. which really, let's just say it, we're talking about the how, not the where, right? If you want to get a bunch of podcast downloads, start putting stuff out of today we're going to break down unit XYZ. <laughs> you know, you will. You get people just piling this on is those. Where you, know? you want to hunt. This is exactly, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I listen to that stuff too. But, but we wanted to kind of go more the angle of, of, of how. You know, what, what what kind of terrain are we looking for? How are we scouting? How are we camping? You know, that just all kind of that stuff. Yeah. And so um, I found a good buck uh, last summer. I had scouted, I can't remember, a lot, <laughs> 15 days, you know, between, between which isn't as much as some guys, uh, f- between, I don't know, middle of July and August. And back to this winter kill thing, you know, there's – there was a lot, quite a few bucks around, but man, you could tell that older age class has suffered with that hard winter of 16, 17 and the, the, the pretty hard February we had last year of, of 19. And so they're just not a lot of top end bucks and talking to guys that live there, they, they, you know, their dads have hunted there, their grandpas have hunted there. They know the outfitters. They are like, you are spot on. They like there's a fair amount of bucks. You're gonna be pretty happy if you're just looking for bucks. Right. But boy, finding something five, six, seven years old is pretty tough. So I was getting down to about the last five days I could scout before it opened because we were gonna hunt archery, 
and um, I found one. And man, he was a toad, Zach. <laughs> I saw him. I was glassing um, across onto another mountain about two miles away. And um, I, whenever they're walking away, you got to be careful. You can't just, you know, get too excited. And when I saw him walking away, that was how I first saw him. It was just cracking daylight. He was already leaving the open country at daylight with no hunting pressure. Not a single person on that mountain. And he was already leaving the open country at daylight. And you'll see in the film, I caught him right on the edge of some, some, some broken timber and stuff like that. I tried to get the camera on him, and I, I didn't get it on him just as he walked in the timber. But you get a good idea of where he was. So as he was walking away, immediately, boom, big buck. He was about the 105th buck I'd seen last summer. You know, so when you look at a lot of bucks, pretty soon you just know what's a big one and what's not, even if you don't know the score or anything like that. Like, okay, that's a big deer. He was walking away, so I thought, okay, you know, hold, hold yourself together here. When they're walking away, they always look better. And <laughs> and he walked about 10 yards, and he stopped, and he and he turned quartering to his left, so I can see his left side, and he put his head down and started feeding. I could easily see a cheater at two miles. Well, I held my hand. That's like the fish you catch that are okay. So the cheater was about that long, you know, maybe four-inch long cheater. And, dude, he was heavy. I mean, I could – and this is getting late August when their velvet's not quite so fluffy, you know. So I'm looking, going, you know, if he's looking that heavy, that's not just all velvet. That is right. a heavy buck. I could see deep, deep forks on each side. On, on the side I could see, which was more the left side, because um, uh, that was the side that was facing me, where the right side was against the vegetation and it was a little bit harder to see. But I thought, you know, if, if the right side matches the left side, that buck's in the 190s to low 200s. And, um, you know, do. he's a good deer. <laughs> and this is the best part, dude. This is, uh, this is, I think, the most underrated part. When you're looking at a buck with, that you think has big antlers, and then you start noticing he is built like a flipping horse. <laughs> okay, now you can start adding measurements to right. those antlers that probably normally wouldn't be there. And that's how his, he was. His butt was so flipping big. I mean, he, there was two other bucks that were just, you know, like they always do, you know, probably three-year-old. They're out in the meadow, you know, looking around, feeding, sun shining on them. He's clear over against the edge of the meadow. He was so much bigger than those bucks. He outweighed those bucks by 100 pounds easily just looking at him. And, you know, and think of a, a big guy you know right, a 200 right. pound guy and then a 300 pound guy walks up next to him oh you tell the difference right well i mean it, it and it was the same way this year not to switch subject but it's exactly like you're saying when i went i filmed a hunt in new mexico and uh willie schmidt with pure hunting shoots this giant elk mm -hmm. and the body was the biggest bodied elk mm -hmm. i've ever seen mm -hmm. and two days later the other uh, the co-host chris Nowak shoots an elk and it was a third of an elk smaller, it, it, the body. Big difference, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and big body doesn't always mean big antlers, but if you confirm those are big antlers and that's a big body, I'm probably not going to get a lot of ground shrinkage. Right. Where what I'm getting at is if it's like, whoa, he's got big antlers, but then you start looking at his body, he's like, wow, he's kind of the same as those other bucks, and, you know, nothing really standing out to you. Yeah, you might end up overjudging that buck. So, right. anyways, back to the story. I could tell he had all that, and he walked in the timber. And um, I knew that was the buck we're going to hunt right there. I have been up here for 15 days this summer. That is by far the best buck I've seen in two states. We're going after that buck. Um, we didn't have Jordan come during the archery hunt. It was a terrible place to archery hunt. It looked just like that picture right there where that guy's on that bike. Just, right. you know, it's really heavy cover. But that's why he's there. 
Yep. You know what I mean? That's why he's there. I can't just, you know, snoop my nose at him and say, oh, well, I got to go somewhere up in the Alpine so I can glass. That's what I want to do, but there's no big bucks up there because there's too many people running around. And so we did. We gave him a week. We never saw the buck in a week of archery hunting. Just a big bummer, but I kind of knew that. When I say we, it was me and Ryan Pimentel, a good friend of mine. So we went for that week, but we were gathering a lot of intel on that week. We're figuring out bedding areas, other bucks, you know, um, uh, how to get in there with the wind, you know, all that stuff. So we, we had good intel. So then Jordan showed up on the rifle. Um, uh, we, uh, we Archery season closed, and we went back for rifle. And, you know, that, that deer herd, I just know they're not going to leave there unless there's just a giant snowstorm. There wasn't. So we started hunting those bucks, um, uh, and, and, and they were the, all the other bucks were still there. And so that's where Jordan picks up the film. And we, we ended up naming the buck Rock Slide, not after, not after Rock Slide, the website, R-O-K, <laughs> actually Rock, R-O-C-K Slide, because that's what he lived in was a bunch of rock slides and timber. And so what the film is about is, is how, we, how we put those puzzle pieces together to find that buck or not find him. We won't right. tell you what happened right. in the film. That's what the whole thing's about. So you can go watch the trailer. It's on the Rockslide YouTube right now. Rockslides are okay. S-L-I-D-E. You can watch it on there now. But in the next couple of weeks, Jordan will have the full film released. I think she said it's going to be right at about 25 minutes, something cool. like that, 23 minutes. So cool. The trailer's just a couple of minutes. Right. And so you'll get to see at least how I think in, in the high country, because this is you know pretty much a high country buck. Not an alpine buck, but a high right. country buck. And, and you know what we did... And, you know, all that stuff, how we camped, wind, how we used the horses, how we didn't use the horses. And um, I ended up hunting that buck 17 days. Jordan got five days of it on film. So uh, there was a lot of time I was back there alone. Ryan hunted with me about seven or eight, something like that. So we put a lot of time on that buck. And so yeah. hopefully it's an educational experience because that's really what I like to do. I'd much rather talk about the, the, the how than the where. You know, that's right. really, and that's really what the, I tried to do with this film is, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what we do to find them. Right, right. Well, I, um, I, I can't. I'm excited for the the video to come out. You know, I watched the trailer, and mm -hmm. you're not kidding. There was deer. There was bucks, 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 yep. bucks, yep. bucks, and I just was like, wow, yep. look at all these bucks. You know, mm -hmm. and that was just. That was just super enticing and definitely makes you want to watch watch the full video. Good deal. Hopefully what you notice, some of those bucks, I filmed them really close, and they were in the timber, right? right. Timbered country, right? Yep. Yep. Same thing we were just talking about. After yeah. opening day, when that rifle season opened, I didn't see any archery hunters. That was really nice. Um, I didn't see any archery hunters because it's not alpine. But when the rifle opened, I, I we saw... I would say fair amount of pressure, definitely a lot of pressure in the open country. And um, after opening day, that was the only place Jordan and I could really find any of those bucks that were three years old or older was, and you'll see it in the video, and, 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 and they're in that broken type timber country with maybe, you know, pretty open feed adjacent areas right. next to it. But all the nicer bucks were out of those feed areas, not even by sunrise, usually before sunrise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am uh, I am definitely looking forward to it, and right. uh, make sure that everybody goes and checks that out on Rock Slides R O K S L I D E <laughs> YouTube channel, and uh, be sure to check out all the gear reviews they do and the forums and everything like that. Um, one thing I've noticed with any forum, don't go there and immediately ask where to go. Nobody likes that. Yeah, you know, go there, start a conversation, and get involved in the community. And and I think your overall experience with Rockslide and every other forum you're on will be will be much much better. Um, so, Robbie, unless there's something else you want to talk on or touch on real quick, um, 
I would love to have you back on another time and talk, you know, once your guys' video releases. Yeah, sure. I, I don't want to get into all the stuff you guys cover yeah, in the video until it's come out. Yeah. You know, but then I, I would love to discuss some of the, you know, some of the puzzle pieces that you found and yep. some of how you put them all together and all that kind of stuff. But we'll do that after the video comes out. That's a great idea, dude. You could watch the film. Yeah. And then you, you'd be able to ask uh, great questions yeah. on, it, on it. And, you know, by then you'll know whether we got the buck or not. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, I'd love to do that. I'd love cool. to talk about that kind of stuff that's that's so fun awesome awesome well we are here once again at western hunt expo 2020 at the baku booth if you have not checked out their e-bikes check them out i did all the research tested a bunch of other bikes and in my opinion these bikes are the best out there and not only that the guys dave and brian and their families are just incredible people so that, that hey, good to hear, dude. Bunch, Tell me so. a little bit more about the whole e-bike thing, man. It's really a lot, guys are talking about a lot on Rockslide. I haven't had a chance to jump right. in and read the threads. Um, uh, what's uh, what's the battery life on these things? So actually, before I even get into that, this would be an excellent thing that I could do an entire video and gear review you are hired dude now zach has written for us uh, actually videoed for us before one of our best videos in 2018 was his uh spot hog video it's on our rock slide page you guys should go look at it but you're on dude you're hired if you want to do a review on these we will support you on that because there's a lot of discussion about e-bikes and you know where do they fit in and you know i know i understand the whole silent thing and you know i know that they're kind of right on the line of a motorized but not motorized but a lot of places you can still use them where you couldn't use a motorbike am i yep, correct yep yeah do so man we people want to learn about that stuff so yep. if you've been using them you got a deal man yep yep uh, and after as soon as this podcast over i'll introduce you to them we'll line it all out and i will test all three of their bikes their trailers everything all right but their battery life depends obviously it depends on how much throttle you're using mm-hmm. whether you're using pedal assist of one all the way up to pedal assist of five whether you're pulling a trailer, whether you're a 170-pound guy or 230-pound sure, guy, yeah. obviously. Um, but they they tested it on an elk hunt in Idaho, mm-hmm. and they were getting roughly 2 to 2.5 miles per amp hour. Okay. So on their 14, 15 amp hour battery, you're 30 looking miles. at 30 miles. Awesome. Good to hear, dude. And that, that's just, I think if you just even just covered kind of the basics on that, because there's a lot of guys like... You know, there's already a few experts on it, but a right. lot of guys are just kind of standing back going, yeah, but how does it fit my hunt? Right. You know, is it really something right. worth investing in? Because I know they're not cheap. Good gear is never cheap. Um, but, dude, you're hired. Okay. You got a deal, man. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. All right, Robbie. Well, as always, it's been a blast, and I look forward to having you back on. You bet, bro. God bless you, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you're interested in hunting videos, gear reviews, kill shot compilation, how-to videos, and more, check out the Battle Mountain Media YouTube channel. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed the show.